From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland Edition for the week of January 19th, 2012. I'm your host, Tom Bell, and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Wayne Toigo, and Tony Spatel. In this week's show, Tony will have a review of the new Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe, and Wayne will talk about what a Disneyland fan needs to know when traveling to Walt Disney World. All that, plus this week's news and Roundtable Rapid Fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. How was everybody's week? Great. Good. Not bad. Sick kids. Great, no. great good, and not, not bad. bad. Wow. <laughs> hey, Tony, we got some good news, don't we? Yes, I'm so excited. We reached the $2,000 threshold. We're at 2003, which means the wings and the tutu are now permanent. No backing <laughs> out now. <laughs> So, but I'm excited too. It's all we're coming together because I've been running and I ran 13 miles last weekend and handled it. And so everything's coming together. And if we can, let's raise some more money. Hey, Nancy, there's some meets that weekend also, right? We're actually starting off on Thursday night with our first Diz meet. And that's going to be at the Grand Californian. And it's going to be a 7 p.m. party. Now, there's no fireworks and no world of color that night. So, since it'll be pretty darn boring um come on over pm me on the boards yellow mickey ponchos or send me an email nancy at wdwinfo.com or dl podcast at wdwinfo.com i'll get the message either way let me know you're going to come because the host doesn't want everyone knowing where her room is (laughs) um we're going to give you that information privately Anyway, get a hold of us. Appetizers and beverages will be provided. And also guests who make a contribution to give kids that night will receive a raffle ticket. Keep in mind, these raffle tickets are going to come into fruition on Sunday. That's our first meet. Then on race day, we're going to be having a meet. For the first part of it is pre-race. We're going to gather between Tortilla Joe's and the House of Blues right by the fountain at 5.30 5.30 a.m. because the race starts at 5.45 a.m. So bring any kind of noisemakers, clappers, horns, banners, um, especially if you have a runner that you're supporting, bring those too and come meet us and we're going to make a lot of noise and, and cheer Tony on. We've got some real fun banners. If you have a gig, Give Kids the World shirt, certainly wear it. If you have a Diz shirt, wear it. That'll be our first part of the meet. There will be places you can buy coffee that early in the morning because a bunch of the runners drink a lot of coffee or that early in the morning. So that's our first thing. If you brave that early in the morning, we're going to give you a raffle ticket just for showing up at that portion of the meet. Now, where these raffle tickets are going to be coming, be coming in handy is anybody who contributes the day of the race will also get a raffle ticket. Folks who have a lot of time and a lot of donation, you can get up to three raffle tickets. Now, these raffle tickets are going to be um, drawn. We're going to meet in between, starting in between 11 and 11.30 at the Tangaroa Tango Terrace. And 
we're going to meet on the patio, so there'll be food available if you want to have lunch. It'll be enough time for the runners to shower up and, you know, come on over. If, even if you don't shower, we'll take you. No. <laughs> Tony, you're an exception to that rule. No, hey, okay, I remember my first Disney half marathon, and then we went out to ESPN Zone after, and I couldn't eat because I stunk myself. I could smell myself. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. Yeah. Take well, a you know, that's why we're meeting outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. And if you've never been there, it's a really fun place. And so around. What time's the, what prob- time's the bar open? I was going to say, it should be open by about the time we're meeting. So at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to have our drawing. You do not have to be present to win, but certainly that would be, be great if you were. I'm going to take phone numbers when we give you your raffle tickets or emails so we can get in touch with you if you're not if you're not able to join like say you have to, you know, head home early or something. Some of our raffle prizes include collectible Disney posters. I have some Carsland lanyards from Mickey's of Glendale. We'll have Diz lanyards and because we reached our goal Pete will be giving away a grand surprise prize. He mentioned this on um, on the Orlando podcast, and he promises that the winner will travel somewhere. Also, we're going to have a chance to join Tony for a dining review or maybe even joining in on a Disneyland podcast recording. So that sounds like, you know, we've got some fun prizes, and we really appreciate everyone's support. And we are looking forward to seeing y'all on the 26th and then again on the 29th of January at Disneyland. Excellent. Anybody else have a housekeeping item? Me, me, me. You again? Yeah, now that you've, you've like, heard me talk. Okay, because of last show, I mentioned something about rubbing a statue, and I couldn't remember which one it was. Well, I got some email. <laughs> and what was funny was every single person had a different statue to rub that they told me about. The one I was actually thinking of was the winged figures of the Republic at Hoover Dam, and if you touch the toes. And a couple of the otter ones in Verona, Italy, at the house that claims that it belonged to the Capulets from Romeo and Juliet. There's a bronze statue of Juliet, and if you rub her breasts, you'll Can have... Can you say that? On... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> if you rub a certain part of her anatomy, you'll have good luck. Um, or the you'll other... just have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And the last one that everyone has also heard of, which isn't a nose or a finger or, you know, a toe or something, is the Wall Street Bull in New York City. Ah. If you rub his Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> oh, I like how you use that. Good job. <laughs> it is said Good way to maintain bring, our clean rating. Thank you. It is said to bring luck to traders and stockbrokers. Is, is that bull smiling? <laughs> no. If you've ever seen a copy of that, if you've ever seen that sculpture or a photo of that sculpture, no. <laughs> but apparently it was installed um, near Wall Street to bring the bulls back to Wall Street after the 1987 stock market crash. I got one more housekeeping before we get into other things. Um, we had talked about the construction on that one block of restaurants and shops at Disneyland. 
and I just wanted to go through real quick because we were kind of guessing at dates. Carnation Cafe is expanding, and that goes is closed until the summer. The Gibson Girl and the Candy Palace is closed until spring. And Coke Refreshment Corner or Coke Corner is closed until February 9th. So that one's opening a lot quicker than the rest. And I also heard a rumor that the piano that's usually there at Coke Corner has been moved to the Mark Twain. And so the piano players are playing aboard the Mark Twain. I heard he's also playing occasionally in the um, the Golden Horseshoe. Right, I heard that too, and the, that he was playing there because there was because uh, Fantasmic was still going on. Oh, okay, gotcha. So they were using the Mark Twain for that. And that's just that. temporary, right? That's just temporary. Yeah, for another few weeks. Any other rep- Any other housekeeping? Sorry, going once, twice. All right, over to Tony with the news. Okay, in Wayne news. Sorry, Wayne. In summer 2012, Electronica will give way to a new family-friendly spectacular based around the characters and world of Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Woo! Wayne, this is for you. Well, no, you got to wait until the news is over so you can have your, your Electronica <laughs> comments. This summer, the Mad Tea Party at Disney California Adventure will open. There will be a live band, unique entertainment, games, and plenty of dancing. According to Disney... Guests will escape into a bright and vivid alternate reality, and familiar faces will be reimagined in fresh new ways, all combining to immerse guests in a captivating world that's filled with exclusive signature foods, beverages, and merchandise offerings. So in summer 2012, the Mad Tea Party will replace Electronica. I think this is a good this is a good selection. This is going to be a great theme. I, I, I'm looking forward to this. As much as I like Electronica, uh, I think this is going to be wonderful. Okay. Next story. We'll do the sad one in the middle. The struggling Anaheim Garden Walk Mall, which went through bankruptcy, is now up for sale near Disneyland. While restaurants there have been successful, shops and other venues have struggled since the mall opened in 2008. Banks took over Garden Walk in 2010 when the original owners defaulted on a $210 million loan. The 493,000-square-foot mall sits 1,500 feet away from Disney California Adventure and across the street from another Disney property where a third theme park could eventually go. The mall's restaurants, including the Cheesecake Factory and Bubba Gump Shrimp Company facing Catella Avenue, have among the highest sales countywide. But a dwindling number of shops have struggled to attract business, and many more have closed. Hundreds of potential buyers have inquired about the property. Disneyland Resort spokeswoman Susie Brown declined to comment when asked if Disney is interested in the property themselves. So that last thing, that's what we. That's at the end. What It'd if be they a smart buy move it? for them. It'd be a really smart move for them. I know. Because I'm, I'm assuming properties around that area don't come up for sale very often. No. Not not to mention at the price now versus the price back then. Uh-huh. This was yes. a really good idea that just just hit at the wrong time in the economy. This this yeah. could have been a fun little venue with a lot of really fun places and boy it it almost didn't have a chance from the beginning. Uh, it's really sad. And finally Beginning February 17th, guests at Disney California Adventure Park will be able to take flight with Minnie Mouse in a tune-filled 
travelogue of song, dance, and interactive moments in Condor Flats, beneath the control tower across from Soarin' Over California. Minnie's Fly Girls Charter Airline features the charter airline owner herself and her four-member crew singing and swinging to songs from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Guests will also have the opportunity to participate in the show and meet Minnie Mouse. Minnie's Fly Girls Charter Airline will begin at Disney California Adventure on February 17th. I, I just keep getting pictures in my head of the living color girls and Minnie Mouse in the middle. I, and I, I know. I, that's what I think of when I hear that, too. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I guess that's a plan. And I mean, Minnie Mouse rump shaking. I just don't want to see that. <laughs> well, maybe now, now maybe I am interested. Um, now we no, see why Mickey then, is interested in Minnie, yeah. <laughs> but Minnie's Fly Girls Charter Airline, I'm not the biggest fan of the title. No. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like, to me that sounds like it's a ride. Right. Because it's called an airline. Now is that good, the, the, are they talking about that rotating Condor Flat sign? Or where are they talking about? It says beneath the control tower across from Soren over California. If they're talking about that portable control tower that's been parked on the other side of the static high-wing airplane that's at oh. the far end of Soren, that's the only control tower I know of in Condor Flats. Right, where, the, where that airplane is? Where they did meet yes. and greets? where the yeah. temporary entrance right, is right which now. Would be yeah, a horrible that, place that, for... I yes, know. it is, too. <laughs> actually. I mean, at this point, I mean, six months from now would be a great place, but... That's a, that's a traffic jam waiting to happen. Agreed. Hmm. We'll find out in February. Yeah, we shall see. And that's the news. Thank you, Tony. Let us do rapid fire. Let's start with Wayne this week. All righty. I wanted to go over the show schedule for the Disneyland Resort. It is changing for the winter months. This time of year is typically our slow season, and the new schedule reflects this. The Remember Dreams Come True fireworks show returns again. Yay. and will <laughs> Yeah, yay. It will only run on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. The show, which was once one of the highlights of Disneyland's 50th anniversary celebration, includes most of the original music track, fireworks, and special effects, but some of those have been abbreviated from the original show. Still, many, including me, feel that this is one of the best fireworks shows around the Disney properties. I like it even better than Wishes. Mickey's Sensational Parade returns to Disneyland and will run once a day during the weekdays and twice daily on weekends. The parade is scheduled to run through the spring, but there is no announcement for what parade will be running this next summer. Now, I pulled the show schedule for the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World for Saturday, May the 26th this year, which is the start of the Memorial Day weekend, and they show that the Electrical Light Parade will be running that weekend. So, unlike some rumors, it seems that the Light Parade will not be coming back to Disneyland when Cars Land opens this summer. My, predic yeah, my prediction is that we will see another whole season of the Soundsational Parade. Fantasmic, the enormously successful nighttime spectacular around the rivers of America 
is unfortunately going to be down for refurbishment and maintenance until March 2nd. This is just the yearly touch-up, and I haven't found anything that needs that that I've found that says it needs major attention. Well, for for a lot of that time, the sailing ship Columbia is down, also, so that's that affects the show. Yeah, this is this is Rivers of America refurb time. Yep. Over at Disney California Adventure, the World of Sh- Color show is also going to be down for maintenance twice this month. It was just down this past week, uh, Tuesday through Thursday, and will be down again next week, which is January 23rd through the 26th. That's Monday through Thursday of that week. This is most likely to correct some of the wear and deterioration issues that cropped up this past summer. World of Color will run on weekends throughout this month. Electronica, the absolutely amazing nighttime street party spectacular, will now only be presented on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays. I would hurry if you haven't seen Electronica. Time is running out. I'm sorry. And the and Disney Channel Rocks show has now ended, Aww. but the Phineas Phineas and Ferb Rockin' Rollin' Dance Party will be presented <laughs> Thursday through Monday every week, and that's your sc- show schedule for the resort. All right, Nancy, rapid fire. The Disney Parks blog announced this week. A bunch of the new merchandise, which is going to be available in 2012. You know, talking about California Adventure, they're redoing a bunch of the logo merchandise. Give it a little more of a retro feel. One of the symbols that's going to be representative of that is Mickey and Minnie in a car driving an Airstream trailer along Route 66. So you can expect, of course, with Cars Land coming up, that Route 66 is going to be a big factor. I love all the new retro designs um, and the retro art, like 19... Remember the, the little golden books you had when you were kids? Yes. Right. The old little ones and all those cool little retro style drawings. It's very similar to that art style. Another big thing that they announced was, well, actually, there's a couple things. First off, those of you who are into pin trading, they announced a couple new um, of the what they call Hidden Mickey series pins. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, they these are the pins that the cast members are given to be able to trade with you when you come up to them and say, hey, I want to trade. So these are special ones that you can look for, and they have a little tiny... Can't, um, buy, them, can't buy them in stores. Right, can't buy them in stores. They have a little tiny black Mickey Mouse on them. Some of those are pretty cool. Um, some of the Disneyland ones that they showed were a Casey Jr. Circus Train one, a st- the... Lighthouse from Storybook Land, and a couple others like that. And then also they introduced a series for The Little Mermaid, and honoring that attraction. And, of course, it's from the Under the Sea number. Each pin is a different character. And it's got a chaser in the series this year. And it is an all-silver pin. So keep in mind to look for those. There's also a Zodiac series, by the way. Another pin series that's out, which is 
exclusive to Disneyland, is called the Unlock the Magic of Disneyland pin series. Now, this is actually kind of cool. These pins are feature all kinds of different attractions that are specific um, to the Disneyland Resort and are the most popular at the Disneyland Resort, and they all look like keyholes. And there's a whole other series of pins which are actually the keys that match. And they can clip on to the lock pins. So, kind of a cool series. Granted, it's a way to suck you in and get you to now, are those, two different... Are, the one, are those the ones that are the annual pass holder pins? Or was yes. That... The lock pins are the annual pass holder ones. And the key pins are limited edition. Okay. So, yeah, it's a way to suck, suck you in to buy double pins. But... The other big thing was the Star Tours 25th Anniversary Merchandise. And they've got a special commemorative t-shirt that was made for it, special design. So check for the theartofdisneyparks.com probably for release dates on those things. And that's it for new merchandise. All right, let's go with Tony next. Recently, Main Street USA got an update with their music. For the first time in 20 years, Disneyland added new music to Main Street USA. There have been many updates over the years, but the last one was back in 1992. And so this time, they've added over a dozen new songs, arranged and recorded specifically for Main Street USA, and joining what's already there, and included in the new tunes are songs such as Meet Me in St. Louis, In the Good Old Summertime, Alexander's Ragtime Band, Oh You Beautiful Doll, and Maple Leaf Rag. So next time you're on Main Street, be listening for some new Main Streety music. Aww, no more. They left about half of them. Exactly the same song. Do you, do you know, Tony, is this a complete replacement, or is this addition two? No, it's addition two. No, no, they, they they took out about half of the current songs and then added added some songs to it, I think, is what they did. <laughs> Including um, the song from Up. <laughs> like the love song or something from Up. They made a... <laughs> We're gonna have to yes. pay. We're gonna have to pay royalties on that, Nancy. Yes, Married Life from Thank Disney you. Pixar's Up is included also. Aww, that was such a. I is, cry every time I hear that song. Oh gosh! All right, time for my rapid fire. After more than 18 months, visitors at Knott's Berry Farm can again take a spin in the Sky Cabin. Open. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Opened in 1976, the Sky Cabin rises nearly 300 feet in the air and spins slowly, allowing riders a panoramic view. When it opened, it was the tallest structure in Orange County. Not spokeswoman Jennifer Blazy said that the ride now sports a new motor and control system, plus all the cabin's windows have been replaced because the old windows were scratched and had lost their clarity, making it difficult for visitors to take photographs. The ride had been closed since May of 2010. Prone to breakdowns, the Sky Cabin was to have been torn down and replaced by Windseeker, which opened late last summer. Instead, they decided to put the Windseeker in the Fiesta Village. Blazy said management spared the Sky Cabin because we were keeping a traditional ride that people enjoyed and adding a new ride, so it was a win-win. I am very surprised 
that that ride that it is a classic ride that has been around at knots for eons. Those are like the uh, first things to go. I mean, the the sky towers. Yeah, exactly. Does it still run at like? Isn't there? There's one at Magic Mountain. Is that one still running? I don't know. Okay. There's um there's also one up here at Great America. Right, and I think SeaWorld used to have one too. Yeah, yeah. They still have it. Do they still have it? Okay. Yeah, it's free now. Well, there you go. Okay. All right, that is Rapid Fire. And let's go over to Tony with a review of the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe. Okay, and Tom, you're going to have to help me because I think you had one of the items that I didn't partake in. So be ready. Didn't you eat there? I did eat there. Good. So when I. not eat together? There's a few things we don't do together, but. um, Very few. Uh, very few, very few. Frickin' frack. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, okay. But, um, okay. So, Blue Ribbon Bakery is now, is no longer on Main Street, and they've opened the Jolly Holiday Bakery in the former, what are we going to call it, where the pass, used to get passes back in the Plaza, day, guys? Plaza Pavilion. Plaza Pavilion, thank you for having the correct terms. Um, I remember getting my pass there at one time in the distant past. Yep, yeah, annual pass holder center for a while. Yeah. And um, you can still tell, actually, because I think there are some things that, not that I want to go in, I, mean, I guess I'll just go into it now, but I, I don't think that they, they, I think they could have done a little bit better with the construction, the way the lines are, but we'll talk about that later, because it still has the basic same setup as when you had the, the passes, and there could be some more space, but whatever. So I, I went over two days with my family, and my um, mother and stepdad, and my son, and we decided to try as many things as we could. And just so you guys know, they do offer a variety of sweets, treats, and espresso beverages, which I didn't actually eat because the sweets and treats, well, first of all, I can't eat that much food. I couldn't convince them to go a third time, even though I was trying to go a third <laughs> time. So come on, can we go one more time so we can try everything? Plus, that could be its own little quest, I guess, but I would Yeah, I, I, I had a couple of them, but... And they were good treats, right? They weren't, like... They were, they were okay. They were yeah. Well, I had I had a I had the just a normal muffin early in the day, and mm-hmm. then I had a couple dessert items after after the meal. Do you want to go into that now or wait till? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so I had the they call it the seasonal pie, which is like a little I don't know. You'd say like the pot pie size individual pie, and it was apple pie, and it was okay. The only problem I had with it was the apple to get it. To get the apples in that size of a pie, they had to cut them really, really thin, which mean, meant instantly they were overcooked and mushy, which, mm. you know, I like a little texture in my apples on an apple pie. The other thing I tried was a raspberry twist, almond raspberry twist, which is like a pastry item, and it was very, very, very dry. So it was, it was I guess, made for dipping in coffee or something like that, but as a, as, as a, dessert, as a dessert item, it didn't work very well. And those were both new items that you don't remember from Blue Ribbon Bakery, um, correct? I think those, yes. They, they, they made a point yeah, of saying that the Raspberry Twist was a new item. But they still have some of the same items like the Matterhorns and mm-hmm. the uh, the big cinnamon rolls and the muffins yeah. and a lot of that stuff. The they, said the, they said the cinnamon rolls were a new recipe, though. Oh. Hmm. Well, then when my stepdad ordered one over my dead body, when I said, we need to try <laughs> the sandwiches, please, and he said, I don't care. I'm getting a cinnamon roll for lunch. <laughs> and... And uh, I guess I should have asked. He doesn't listen to the podcast, like. does he? No, he doesn't. So it doesn't okay, matter. Okay. But um, I, I, I guess you know we need to try the sandwiches. 
didn't matter. I'm getting I'm getting the cinnamon roll. So I actually should have tried it in Aston, which I didn't. He loved it, but he likes anything. The Sizzler salad bar is exciting to him, so it doesn't matter. I'm not going to – yeah, he doesn't listen to podcasts, so it's okay. Um, anyways. You said, you said blueberry muffins? I had a blueberry muffin, yeah. Excellent. There, yeah, There is good. hope in life. Yeah. Wayne, I didn't know you had a th- – I love blueberry muffins too. See, I was uh, hoping – It's that a they requirement gonna- first thing. Okay. I was hoping they were going to bring those big old cheese danishes that they have in Florida in their bakery there. I was hoping they would add those in because those suckers are amazing. You know what? It's interesting you say that because there's a few things that I remember from the bakery at the Magic Kingdom that I was hoping they'd bring too. Like they had bread pudding. They had a lot more, not made to order, but it seemed closer to made to order. Yeah. Dare dare I use that word, fresh, but they seem to have more of that. Maybe it's just the setup, the way it is. I don't know. I, I, th- I thought they have a little bit more of that, which they didn't seem to. But since we're talking about the way things are made and everything, okay, and I, got, I can't not use the word. Okay, the th- they're fresh, but they're not fresh. Uh-uh. So They're um, made in large quantities, but they're yeah. in big pans. Yes, they're made, everything's made in – when I was – I went there the first day, and there was a senior cast member there helping with the line, and I asked how things were made. And she said that they're made in batches as needed. So the kitchen's right there, and they're making them, and they put them out, and then you take them. It's not like they're made to order. So, right. and actually, so which when we start when I discuss a little bit more, a couple sandwiches where that's actually an issue for some of them. But um, so it's not like Tangaroa where everything's made to order. Okay, so despite the fact that everything isn't my favorite word, fresh. I think it's a huge improvement to the sandwiches. They have sandwiches, soups, and salads. I think it's a huge improvement to the sandwiches that had been, I found out from the cast member, the exact same for the last 15 years at the Blue Ribbon Bakery. She said, we've had the same sandwiches for 15 years. So I think they've improved on that. That being said, I know that I've been accused by Tom, and I agree now, (laughs) um, and I'm sure other people, that I've loved every new menu. Every new menu, I've been, this is the greatest new menu. This is so great. This is so great. And I realized finally, as Tom and I were discussing this earlier, you know what? I've been grading on a curve. And so I've been grading on a curve based on the menus being so bad that any improvement I'm just loving because it's so bad. They've improved their menus so much now, i got to stop grading on the curve. Uh-huh. Or I've got to change. I've got to move the curve up. I have higher expectations now for the food, whereas before I had no expectations. So any improvement was great. Now that they've gotten good at the counter service, I think, they've improved everywhere, I have higher expectations. So this is an improvement to the old thing. But I think it was, in general, even though I'm kind of giving you guys a summary now, I thought it was okay and there are things that are good and things that need improvement. It wasn't a home run. So let me go over the, the different things that we tried Starting with the sandwiches, um, my ma- one of my major complaints in the past has always been the bread, the bread on the burgers being dry and the bread on the sandwiches just being so bready. And I have to say that all the bread was good. There's five sandwiches to choose from. They have a jolly holiday combo, which is a toasted cheese sandwich with tomato basil soup for eight ninety nine, a caprice tomato mozzarella served on focaccia at eight sixty nine, and that focaccia was really good. It wasn't. They used to have old focaccia that was bready. And kind of dry. This one was well, it was uh, aromatic and it was um, soft. So I really I liked that one. They had a turkey sandwich on ciabatta 
The turkey sandwich on Cerbata was the most average sandwich I'd I'd had. Yeah. It was just it was just bread and turkey. And I swear it was the same turkey that I had at I had bought at Costco. It looked exactly the same. Nothing against Costco turkey. We do not have a financial relationship with any of the <laughs> competitors or anything, but it looked just like the stuff I had in my fridge. And it didn't there's nothing special about it. The sandwich had turkey, ciabatta, and they called it um a mustard aioli. It was honey mustard. It was nothing special. I thought that was the most average sandwich, to be honest with you. Um, the Caprice was good if you like Caprice. I'd order that if I like Caprice. I don't, but I'm not against it. But it was good. It had good flavor. It had a basil vinaigrette that was tasty. And if you like that kind of sandwich, it was good. Um, you had, Tom, the chicken Waldorf, correct? No, no I did not. Okay, forget that. Never mind. Um, my my, my dining partners had the chicken Waldorf. Do you remember what they said about them? They said it was good. About it? Okay, that's all I can say. It's yeah. a chicken salad on brioche, so I wasn't able to eat that. My stepdad, if he wouldn't have gotten the darn cinnamon roll, maybe could have helped us out and eaten the chicken Waldorf. But my favorite by far was the hot Angus roast beef sandwich with caramelized onions, white cheddar, and a horseradish spread on a toasted onion roll for nine sixty nine. And if you put caramelized onions and cheddar on anything, I'll love it. The roll was good. The um, And the roast beef wasn't... Like Arby's roast beef. Again, we don't have any financial relationship with Arby's or their competitors. <laughs> but um, it was it was you could tell it was it was sliced roast beef, but it came from a big roast. So there was texture and like like a good like good roast beef. The one thing that and this goes back to you know before I go to that let me talk about the uh, the toasted cheddar the the toast basically the grilled cheese sandwich. I know it's called the toasted cheese. cheese sandwich. It tasted really good. I loved it. However, the issue with making things in batches is, and not making it, everybody's ready for the ding, fresh, is with a toasted cheese sandwich, what's going to happen to the bread? Anyone? Sorry. If you just leave it out, after yeah. you leave it out for, let's gets, say, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It gets cold and greasy and nasty. Well, if it's, okay, if it's toasted, what about the, the edge? The edges of the toasted, so maybe it was toasted, not grilled. I guess it is. I guess I better read better. It is a toasted cheese sandwich. The edges get too hard because yeah. they're not, they've been sitting out there that long. It's and dry. I reminded me of being in the dorms and you get the grilled cheese, all the grilled cheese sitting there and you'd hopefully get a new one or else it would, the, the edge would be all hard. And that was a problem is it tasted really good, but since it's not immediately, you're not getting it immediately, that's, it's still, I still ate it and liked it. And, um, and that's part of the holiday, the Jolly Holiday combo, which also comes with the tomato basil soup, which was fine. Ooh. That's for eight ninety nine. All these prices, which seem a little pricey, they do include. I, got, I can't not say it. Freshly Fresh. made homemade potato chips, which I loved because they were homemade potato chips. Yeah. What's interesting is my son found one that was kind of stale, and he's like, "Oh, it's chewy." And I said, "Well, Andrew, that happens with chips when they're." Again, I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> get it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go above. We've made our goal of the 2000, so I can just keep saying fresh all the time. Um, that when you make fresh potato chips, sometimes that's gonna happen. You get a soggy one occasionally, yeah. an oily one. Yeah, you get a soggy. Yeah, but they. I just like the fact that they were um, homemade potato chips. Yeah. I wish they would give us more. I thought they could. They were kind of skimpy on them, considering. I mean, what are these? Can you buy them as a side order? I don't know, but I would say yes because you seem to be able to do whatever you want there. They just don't post it on the menu. Hmm. I don't know for sure though. I'm I'm curious to see what would happen if you asked for an extra set or whatever. But um, so those are their sandwiches. 
And I mentioned the combo. Now, there is a way to get your sandwich made fresh. Yes. Go ahead. You order it without the sauce, which is what I did with the with the roast beef sandwiches. I ordered it without the horseradish sauce. You have to wait a few minutes, but you get your sandwich sandwich fresh. And that's how we. And that's um, how my son wanted the turkey. He didn't want the the aioli on it. And I'm wondering if you could do that with the trying to figure out a way to beat the system with the uh, grilled cheese. <laughs> yeah, because if you could say I only want cheddar or right, I'm alert, you know, I don't know, or if I could get extra cheese, something. Because then they will make it for you. Um, one thing that Tom and I kind of talked about is the, the all the seating is outside. No big deal. Except when you're giving me a kind of warm sandwich yeah. or a warm soup, it gets cold immediately. It's yeah. just something to realize. It's not it, because it's not served hot. It's served warm, and then. And some of the sandwiches, you want it to be warm, and then you get outside, and even though it's a really warm day. I think that may have been part of my problem with that with that roast beef sandwich is, and it's it's not a it's it's a cheddar, but it's not like a slice of cheese. It's like a cheddar sauce on it, and really? that cheddar sauce, yeah, and that I cheddar sauce. No, I don't think so because it was still it was still cold. It was cold outside, okay, and the, and the the cheese was still runny. And that that was that's I don't know, I think cold cold white cheddar sauce just wasn't appealing on a sandwich. Uber white Velveeta. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it was better than no. that, but yeah. Have the you other tried I, Velveeta's new queso blanco. <laughs> I'm just saying. And we do you don't have, have any, any financial, financial relationship, relationship with Velveeta. With Kraft, yeah, okay. with Kraft um, They also have a ham and cheese quiche with a house salad for seven dollars nineteen cents, which. For a theme park, is pretty cheap, but it's not a lot of food. And you'll see how big the quiche is. I mean, I like the quiche. It was quiche, and it was different, and yum. But it was... How, big was, how, big, was this, how it, big was the salad? It was... I, I'm horrible with estimating this, sizes. Was it like a small um, square Big Mac container size? Okay, no, less. Let's, this is like Price is Right. Smaller. Oh, um, really? Okay. Give me another container. Um, <laughs> it was like a, it was a cylinder. You know what? Like a cup of, I know what it looked like. It was the, in a container like, the like size a, the of cup? cup of noodles. No, cup okay. of noodles. Okay, cool. Yeah, that size of a salad and then the quiche. And um, it tasted good, That's but it's small. not a lot of food. Gosh, okay. It wasn't a lot of food. Um, but it was good. It was fine. The, um, and of course, what, they also have salads. And of course, they made sure <laughs> to not disappoint me. And they have a salad featuring craisins. Yes, every salad mm-hmm. in every new menu, they've had a craisin salad. I even mentioned it to the ca- to the uh, cast member, and she kind of laughed too. Like, yeah, I know they're in everything. Our main chef must love these things or whatever. But um, and I don't remember where. And if you guys could help me out, it's called the Jolly Holiday Salad. It had spiced pecans, feta, red and yellow tomatoes, and craisins served with a raspberry vinaigrette. I swear that's a salad that I've had somewhere else. It tastes exactly like there. Maybe it's the same. It's there's a version of this salad, or maybe okay. Instead of spiced pecans, they have this, or instead of feta, they have this. But that basic raspberry vinaigrette salad I've seen in multiple, more than one location. It was hungry bear. Okay, thanks. Glad you guys pay attention to the stuff I do because I obviously don't remember. But um. Yeah, it, it, was, it was fine. It was – and the blog, I, oh, I'm going to write as I'm plugging – I put it, it tastes like you'd think. It does. 
It's a vinaigrette salad. It's it's fine. Seven forty nine. Nothing outrageous. Like oh, I gotta have this salad. Um, they have an Angus roast beef salad for eight ninety nine. I didn't think this was good. Really, it's hard for me to say. Okay, here's why. Okay, and of course, thanks to my stepfather with a darn big old cinnamon roll, <laughs> enjoying himself with coffee. I'm like, well, I'm ordering two salads then because I gotta try these salads. So I got both salads. Um, the Jolly Holiday salad was good, but I've had it before. And I love beef, so you'd think I'd like the beef salad. Okay. It's got lettuce, red and yellow tomatoes, pickled onions, and a blue cheese dressing, which is the prepackaged envelope of blue cheese dressing. Oh, um, I know. So right there, that kind of like ruins the salad. Galley one. You no, like the Harper Galley one. Yeah, and I was to- thinking, oh, maybe they'll have that same dressing. So you know what I'm going to do next time? I'm going to go get it and then bring it over. But Because um, bad dressing can ruin a good salad. I mean... Dressing's yeah. kind of the whole thing, but um, what I didn't, why I didn't like this salad was that, in, in the blog, because I'm reading my blog as I'm doing this, I called it pedestrian because there was nothing special about it. A couple of red and yellow tomatoes, pickled onions, not enough for you to actually really taste that much, and then chunks of beef. It was like lettuce, beef, and a few veggies, and that was it. There was nothing special about it. It was just, you know what? Here's the the worst complaint. It was like I made it. Okay, come on. I can't make a good salad. So, like, I could have made this salad. Similar to so, the salad that they're still serving over at River Bell Terrace? Oh, man, i got to remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, it seems now that they're doing all these new menus, you're starting to kind of see repeats or versions of similar things, which I was kind of hoping not to. But, um, And, of course, if they would have had a house dressing, I think it would have done well. And I actually think... Okay, if you've already got the horseradish aioli for the one sandwich, why couldn't you adapt that and make a salad dressing out of it for the... Yeah. yuck. Sorry. Well, okay, I want to say adapt. <laughs> the horseradish ranch dressing or whatever that they had yeah. at Harbor is really good. Yeah. Come on, Nancy, we have to remember this is Tom, who doesn't like salads, doesn't like sandwiches. I like, I like the, the, that, sand, that salad at, at Riverbell. Oh, Okay. Well, I was trying to jump on you with Nancy, but she wouldn't join me. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I missed my cue. Yeah, they also had. Um, they also have, um, yeah, they have chicken. They have a chicken noodle soup, which I did not try. They have another salad, grilled vegetable and whole grain salad, which has seasonal vegetables, mixed greens, barley sprouts, and a basil vinaigrette. Ew. Sorry. I love sprouts. Let's see. No, I'm just the whole <laughs> whole thing together. No, I know. I think it sounded really vegetarian to yeah. me, but I... No offense to our vegetarian right. fans, but... Yes. Yeah. yeah, so go ahead and give it a shot. The kids' meals are the usual kids' meals, and my son has now outgrown the kids' meals. And also, for purposes of our podcast, I make him get the adults' stuff. Um, <laughs> the kids' meals are priced at five ninety nine, and you can get mac and cheese or turkey sandwich served with the usual sides and drinks. So... It was basically I just ate the regular entree stuff. I, again, because I think I have to raise the bar, I think it was okay. I would go back, but I like sandwiches. That's why I like Riverbell. I like because I like sandwiches. I would get the toasted cheese because the cheese was really good and I love cheese. I would just try to somehow finagle it so it would be fresh. Um, I'd get the roast beef sandwich again. That's definite, definite, and probably the soup. The tomato basil soup was decent. I don't think I'd get any of the other things. I mean, I would get them if it was the only place I could eat. Like we're at a 
the Halloween party and that's the only place that's open. But um, I wouldn't go out looking for, I need to have that sandwich or I need to have that grilled cheese or in the toasted cheese sandwich. Not like um, the Hungry Bear where there was stuff that I would definitely like go out of my way to go get. Another thing about it, not that I'm ripping on this place or whatever, um, because I didn't try the breakfasty stuff and I didn't try the, um, the 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 pastries and the desserts or anything, is the way they 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 built it. You you I don't know how to explain this. Spatial's not my thing, um, but as you go into the line, you you go to the left and the right, and go back around. Ha, 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 I don't. Know. Can Tom? Can you help me explain? That line is, is it, it a single Q line? It's no, no, it's a double Q line. It's like there's 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 uh, wrought iron uh, walls or wrought iron fence that's like a T, and you go in at either the left or right of the of, of the T, and then around the top of the T, and then t- there's what three registers on each side. So what you're saying is, is it similar to how they have? The cafe, not um, the French market. French cafe market set up where you go in, and then you go in one door, and then you split the line splits to two different sides. No, you split at the front door, and then you come back together, and then you come back. Like, to, yeah, yeah, it's like a musical or something. It's sort of like so it's, a, it's there, like a clover leaf. So are there only three cashiers, no, or there's, are there there's six? Th- three on each side? Yes, yeah, six. So six. The the center the center is like. The, how, how do you place your order? At the cashier. At and the then you cashier. wait. And you wait. Oh. I, I think organizationally. Do you get to preview it? Preview all the food yes. before you get to the cashier? Yeah, kind and that, of. You, yeah. There, there's like three or four display cases right in the center, right in front and center. And then each each cashier, there's I think there's one or two near the cashiers also of the of the pastry items or the desserts. So if I just want a muffin, oh, you're what do I line. do? You, you wait, wait in line for a long time. Then you go to the and, cashier and, until you want a muffin. And then I go wait for someone to bring it up from the back. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they can grab no, it from no. the case. Yeah, from the case right there. Yeah, yeah, and the sandwiches and stuff are in the case too. That's one of the problems oh. I had, Tony. Is all these beautiful pastries and and desserts, and then you have a case of hot sandwiches sitting there, getting cold. Mm-hmm. They just were not. They just didn't look appetizing. I mean, you got you got these roast beef sandwiches with the cheese spilling out all over, sticking to the to the tray. Well, see, I'm okay with that, but I agree. If they would have hidden the magic and done it backstage. Yes. Then I would have been a lot more, ooh, this looks good. But seeing it ahead of time, like it's automatically telling your brain, this is not, my favorite word, fresh. Mm-hmm. Even if they just made it two minutes ago. Right. So if they were just hidden it, I would have thought, oh, they made it to order. And yep. I kind of agree. I don't like that. But then I understand they're trying to show people what it is. Because you know if not, you're going to have people going, toasted cheese, what's I'd, that? I'd Could rather them that? just have some fake ones sitting there as a display and not use, I don't know. No, I, I can see what you're saying. I am surprised that there is so big a lunch menu. That's substantial. Uh-huh. Which is nice. 
Now, what, Tony, you said they had sandwiches at Blue Ribbon before. What kind of sandwiches did they have there before? I don't know because I had them once and said oh, I'm never eating these things you. again. Okay. Go ahead. I can tell you. They had like a turkey, a turkey and cheese. They had a roast beef and cheese and then a vegetarian. Okay. Oh, and a ham and cheese, like a black forest ham and cheese. And they were on like bread that was like eight inches thick and dry and horrible. Yeah, they they never looked appetizing to me at all, and, ever. And I and I it. like sandwiches. I mean, yeah. the 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 roll that the that roast beef was it was like well, it was onion roll or something, but it was it was like soft and no, their bread uh, I it almost makes me just angry that they had bread bad bread before because <laughs> now they're making good bread all over the place. Like, they were just well, that's because they have yeah. their own bakery on property now. They used to not? No. Hmm. They put the bakery in about two years ago. Hence why they have good bread now. No, yeah. that's an that's that's an excuse. Like like the two miles down the road, they we don't we don't know how to make good bread. These two miles, the, that two miles is just making well, the bread. Well they might purple. have had to have bought they might have had to have purchased the bread from a vendor. Yeah. They could have also and purchased it, it from a better vendor. Well that's they could saying. have, but we're, we're being too nice to him. But, okay, so there it is. I would go back for certain things, not for others. It was okay. All right, thanks for that, Tony. Now let's head over to Wayne, who's going to tell us all we need to know as Disneyland people about Walt Disney World. That he can, thanks, fit, that he can fit into a 20-minute segment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Did you know that about 22 million people visit Disneyland annually. And of that, about 30% are folks that are not local but travel to Disneyland and stay overnight, or in most cases, many nights. That's over 7 million people a year. That's a lot of travelers. That's a lot of hotel rooms and meals and travel arrangements, and a lot of planning for our Disneyland vacations. And I'm one of those that travel to Disneyland. And for most of us, we've become pretty good at planning our Disneyland vacations. We have our favorite places to stay. We know where to go and what to expect. We know what reservations we need and what we can just walk on to. We know how to negotiate Disneyland at almost any time of the year. But... When it comes time to look at visiting that other Disney park on the other side of the country, well, that becomes a bit more intimidating and almost overwhelming destination. And now, even the Disneyland local folks have to plan to travel. And it may sound simplistic to state it this way, but traveling to Disney World is quite a bit different than a visit to our comfort zone here at Disneyland. There are many aspects which need to be dealt with a little different or in some cases in a completely different way. Yes, it's still a Disney destination, but traveling to Disney World for us Disneylanders is a whole different proposition. So what I'd like to do is to highlight some of the things that we Disneylanders need to consider when we make our plans to visit Disney World. And I'm not just talking about Californians. I'm talking to all of us who regularly travel to Disneyland, whether you're on the West Coast or in the Southwest, the Rockies, the Midwest, or really anywhere. One of the most obvious places to start is the weather. That may dictate what time of year we travel. 
Here in Southern California, we're familiar with the weather patterns year-round. Spring is gorgeous and mild. Fall is gorgeous and mild with a little <laughs> rain. <laughs> Summer is a bit warmer and gorgeous and mild, but sometimes fairly uncomfortable. But the nighttime is cool and nice. And winter is cool to sometimes cold with occasional rain. Orlando weather may seem similar, but in fact, for those of us who are used to California weather, the differences can be surprising. The first thing that everyone notes is that almost any time of the year, be prepared for rain. In the summertime, you can count on it raining almost every day. Right at 4 o'clock, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Now, it doesn't last all day like it does out here. It usually lasts an hour or two, but it comes down harder than we're used to. Bring a raincoat, obviously, or plan to buy a yellow Mickey poncho or a Disney rain poncho. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) The good news is that there are many more places to hide from the rain in Disney World than we have at Disneyland. Out here, almost everything, including the queue lines, are out in the sun. In Disney World... Many places are covered or completely inside, but you still need to plan for the rain. Now, at Disney World, spring temperatures are mild, fall temperatures are mild, and the best part is that winter temperatures can be almost spring-like. It is very common for winter daytime temperatures to be in the 70s or 80s, but Florida, too, can get just as cold as out here from time to time. The watchword is to, obviously, check the weather and plan accordingly if you're traveling in the winter. But, and this is a big but, the weather in Florida changes very frequently and is much harder to predict in advance than it is out here on the West Coast. We are used to seeing a Pacific storm brewing and know that in about a week, we'll see a change in the weather. In Florida, weather changes can happen in a day or two and quite frequently does. That makes planning a bit more unpredictable. Don't rely on your 15-day weather predictions from your favorite weather website. Get a sense for what generally is going on and plan for both directions. The last point I want to make about the Florida weather is the dreaded word, humidity. (laughs) Out here, we barely pay attention to the humidity. Humidity in the summertime in Disney World will drain the fun right out of you if you're not prepared for it. Shade works here in California. Shade does not work there. (laughs) You can't hide from humidity. The shade doesn't help you with humidity. And even at night, the high Florida humidity will turn an otherwise nice evening into misery. And that's for us California weather wimps. Again, (laughs) this is just something you need to be prepared for. So why all this talk about weather in the first place? Well, as I said before, this may drive what time of year you plan your vacation. Here at Disneyland, we know what to expect. Be prepared to take the weather into account when you're traveling to Disney World. If you want a more milder outdoor environment, you may want to stick closer to spring or fall or even the winter time. Just remember that summers in Orlando 
are not going to be exactly the same as a summer day in Anaheim. Next, let's look at hotel accommodations. For Disneyland, all I need to do is to get on my favorite hotel chain's website, plug in my dates, and make my reservations. Done. Even if we want to stay at one of the Disneyland Resort hotels, we know to either call our favorite travel agent, or call the Disneyland Direct, or get online and book right from the Disneyland website. There are only three Disneyland hotels to choose from, so our choices aren't that complex. For us Disneylanders, making our hotel accommodation planning really isn't that big a deal. However, your hotel accommodations in Orlando almost drive the rest of your trip planning. First off, (laughs) there are 24 Disney-owned resort hotels on property at Disney World plus another 10 non-Disney resorts that are within Disney World. Then there are an almost countless number of other hotels and resorts that are around the Orlando area, most of which are just as convenient to Disney World as some of our local Anaheim and neighboring cities are to Disneyland. The accommodation choices for Disney World are for most of us overwhelming, and this, more than almost any other factor, is the most important and sometimes the most stressful part of travel planning. Your accommodations choice also tends to drive other considerations, like transportation, ticket options, Mm -hmm. meal options, what we carry to the parks each day, and a host of other things. Yeah, I mean, because at Disneyland, there's not that big of an advantage of staying on property. Yes. Do you like the hotels? Do you like some of the amenities? That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we attack this? The good news is that it's not really as bad as it appears at first. For most of us, price is the determining factor. Right. For others, you may want the advantages and benefits of staying on property. Try to determine what your preference is or at least weigh the options of staying on or off property. At Disneyland, as we said, the benefits of staying on property are just a few. There are good ones, like being very close to the park entrances, getting Magic Morning's entrance, and being able to charge your park purchases to your room. Outside of the great rooms at the Disneyland resorts, that's about it. In Disney World, however, you get a whole other set of benefits by staying on property, and some of them are almost worth the stay themselves. For example, for Disneyland, if we fly into LAX or Orange County, many of us rent a car, park at our hotel, and drive to Disneyland. The other option is to take a shuttle or, if you're staying on property at Disneyland, the Disneyland Resort Express. Well, if you're staying on property at Disney World, you automatically get Disney's Magical Express. This is transportation to and from the Orlando Airport and your Disney World Resort. And they take care of your baggage right to your room. This can be a huge benefit and can't be downplayed. And it's free. And it's free with your package. Instead of magic mornings at Disneyland, you get extra magic hours at Disney World. 
but the extended hours can be morning or evening and can be at any of the parks, and they change every day. But again, it's a great benefit compared to what we're used to out here. If you stay on property at Disneyland, you can charge park purchases to your room. The same thing goes for Disney World, but there are so many places around Disney World, and all of these locations can take advantage of charging to your room. And don't forget the fact that besides charging to your room, you can send your packages straight to the resort, which is something you can't do at Disneyland. You always have to pick your packages up at the main gate and take them with you at the I end of the day. So- I'm so glad that you brought that up because that, again, is another advantage and a difference here. The other benefit of staying on property at Disney World is being able to use the Disney World bus system. Now, this has its pluses and minuses, but at Disney World, getting around is a must. Here at Disneyland, we either park at Mickey and Friends for the day or you walk from your resort, whether on property or across Harbor or Catella, and that's about it. With with Disney World, your walking options are fewer. There are some, to be sure, like walking from the Swan Dolphin to Epcot or from the Contemporary to the Magic Kingdom. But for the most part, you are either going to be taking the buses everywhere or you're going to be driving your rental car everywhere. We could spend a lot of time talking about all this, but what I wanted to point out is that if you stay on property at Disney World, you also get the option of taking the buses, and then you really don't need a rental car. Now let's talk about ticket options. Just like you... (laughs) Indeed. Just like here at Disneyland, you can get a... Multi-day, single park, or a park hopper ticket, either online or at the park entrances themselves. Because we're good travel planners, we're going to get them ahead of time. If you stay on property at Disney World, you can also book a vacation package, which includes your room and your park tickets. Frequently, This is a great way to save money compared to buying everything separately, and it makes it very easy because now you have a lot of your travel options taken care of with this one package. It does, however, kind of leave those staying off property out in the cold. But we Disneylanders have another option. How many of you have a Disneyland Annual passport. Come on, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. That's right. All 900,000 of us. Yes. (laughs) Of our park, and we show it. Well, Disney is now allowing us to upgrade our Disneyland annual passport to a premier annual passport. The cost is just the difference in price between the two. I think a premiere is still about $750, so you subtract plus, what you... Plus tax on half of it. Exactly. So you subtract, subtract what you've already paid for whatever kind of Disneyland passport you already have and what it costs you for your premiere. Now, what this gets you is unlimited admission to all parks at Disney World plus admission to both the water parks, admission to Disney Quest, and a few other places. 
So this means that you can now only have to book a room-only package to stay on property rather than a full vacation package. For those staying off property, the Premier Passport also includes free parking at Disney World, which is a big plus if you're driving. If you get disc, you, and you also get discounts on merchandise within Disney World. Also remember that you will need to upgrade your Disneyland Passport for every member of your family. I know that it's going to run into some bucks, but compare the options and see if this works for you. And while we're talking about comparing options, you have to look at the um, the cost difference. If you have a premium annual pass here, it's about 300 to upgrade to the Premier. Um, so one of the things you want to consider with Disney World is how many days you're going to be there. And are you planning on doing anything extra the water parks, Disney Quest? You may end up finding that your tickets are going to be less per person than the cost to upgrade to the Premier. Exactly. For a lot of vacations, the cost of a Premier upgrade to your existing Disneyland annual passport might be considerably less than any other separate Disney World ticket option, but you really need to look at that. Yeah. For us here at Disneyland, we can always expect it like 30 or $40 more per day for park tickets. Um, so that kind of affects whether we want to do a three-day, a four-day, or a five-day ticket here. It's a significant jump in price. But in Florida, they hit you with a higher price, and then after about three days or so, yeah, it's just a few dollars all of a then, sudden, yeah. it's three to, it's I want to say it's $3 a day additional. So that makes you decide, okay, maybe if I'm staying for park tickets, maybe I might want to stay six days instead of four days for an additional six bucks a person. This is exactly why I'm saying you really need to look at this closely. Yep. Even if you only visit Disney World for this one vacation, oftentimes the premier upgrade works out better to be the better tip, ticket option, especially when you factor in all the other benefits you get. Plus, since this is an upgrade, you still get all your regular Disneyland annual passport benefits. And if you had a restricted California passport, a Southern California passport, you now have a passport which does not have any blockout dates. So this is a win-win-win for us. Lastly, let me mention dining and meal options. We at Disneyland are very spoiled when it comes to dining. For the most part, we pick a place to eat at any time of the day and we just walk right in. We never have to think about a reservation. In fact, the only places where you really need a dining reservation are at the Blue Bayou and that's the only in-park place I can think of or Goofy's Kitchen, or Napa Rose, or maybe Steakhouse 55. And even at the Blue Bayou, we know that if you come at off hours, you can get in, or there's just a reasonable wait. And when we make dining reservations, all we do is give them our name. No deposit, no reservation number, it's really very simple for us. 
dining at Disney World is a whole other <laughs> proposition. First of all, the Advanced Dining Reservation, or ADR, is a must at Disney World, especially for the more popular places. When you are thinking about what you are going to be doing from day to day at Disney World, you also need to be thinking about where and approximately when you might like to have a sit-down meal, and you need to make an advanced reservation for that meal. I know this goes against our Disneyland style of dining, but this is reality at Disney World. If you know that you're going to be at a certain park on a certain day and you definitely want to eat at a particular location, then you are wise to make your ADR early, and by that I mean as soon as you get your plan together. It's not uncommon for ADRs to be made six months or more in advance. And we now know at most of the popular places there is now a penalty charge if you don't show up for your reservation or you fail to cancel it within 24 hours. Despite all the complexities that you've heard about making advanced dining reservations, the secret is you really don't have to live and die by ADRs. Except for the really popular places, you can just walk up and ask if the restaurant has availability. All of them have a waiting list, and they will tell you how long the wait is for non-reservations. It may be 10 minutes, it may be an hour and a half, but then you get to decide. I'll give you an example, and there are many of these. I wanted to eat at the Crystal Palace in the Magic Kingdom. I didn't care when, but I knew the days I would be there. Well, I waited too long, and I could never get an ADR for the Crystal Palace at any time. But when I was there, I walked up in between the busy hours. I think it was about 3 in the afternoon. And I was able to get in with just a 10-minute wait. And this happens regularly. You can't count on it, and please don't count on it, but it does happen. So the watchword is, if you can, plan. If you want to take it California style, you can do that too. Just be prepared to be flexible or maybe disappointed. And if you have a big party, it's much harder to do that than with a small party. Absolutely agreed. Now and like, and like, prob- you, like you said, they do allow ADRs six months in advance. And Disney World also, unlike Disneyland, releases their park hours six months in advance. So a you're able to plan ahead. Uh, yeah. Disneyland releases theirs at the very most six weeks in advance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's really no way to plan ahead here. Thankfully. (laughs) Now, you've probably heard of free dining. This is a dining program at Disney World which includes meals throughout the day. You get a certain number of meal items per meal per day. You have to pay separately for anything you want to eat that is not included in the free dining program. And the type of free dining plan, and there are a few of them, depends on what category of resort you stay at. Now, I don't want to overcomplicate this. Just know that free dining includes some or most of your meals. You get free dining 
by purchasing a Walt Disney World vacation package, which takes us back to the discussion of staying on property and ticket options. You may find that the cost of purchasing a full Disney World vacation package that includes free dining is better than booking a room-only Premier Passport upgrade and paying for meals separately. But even if you get a vacation package with free dining, you still need to make your ADRs. Okay, Disneylanders, I know that this is when it gets complex and we just want to hide and not deal with all this. (laughs) Take heart. Buck up. There really are only a few main choices for us to consider. One, get a Disney World vacation package which has everything including accommodations in a resort on property, all your tickets, access to the Disney buses, transportation to and from the airport with Magical Express, and maybe free dining. This also may be your best option if you don't currently have a Disneyland annual passport and want to stay on property. Second option, get a room only at one of the Disney World on property resorts and upgrade your Disneyland annual passport to a premier passport. You will have to arrange for your airport transportation and pay for meals separately. And lastly, third option, stay off property. Upgrade your Disneyland passport to a premiere, or if you don't have a passport or it's too expensive or not practical, buy your tickets online. You will also have to arrange for your airport transportation and pay for meals separately. Well, obviously, planning for a trip to Disney World is considerably different for us than our simple trip to Disneyland. There are so many other things that I could cover, including all the flying options and many more hotel options and all the other entertainment options around Orlando. But I really don't want to turn this into a big everything you need to know about planning your Walt Disney World vacation. That's for our other podcast team. But I wanted those of us that mostly travel to Disneyland to understand some of the differences and aspects that we have to consider when we vacation at Disney World. I hope this helped. And maybe in the future we can cover more items. But for now, what do you say, gang? Let's all go to Disneyland. <laughs> it, it, it makes me laugh sometimes. On, I'll, I'll see threads on the Disneyland boards of people who are from Walt Disney World planning, planning, planning their Disneyland vacation. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're taking all the fun out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it really is so completely different. And the biggest thing we have to remember, unfortunately, is Disneyland really is a theme park. We happen to have two theme parks right next to each other, but on balance, Disneyland, California Adventure, the Disneyland Resort area, it's just a theme park. All right. Thank you for that, Wayne. That's gonna do it for this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening. 